Well, hello, and welcome once again to the Great Stories Podcast. I am Ryan Weber, your host for the show. And uh, if you're, this is your first time listening, what you found is a conversational interview-style program. Uh, it's a long format, unedited, unscripted, where I sit across the table from somebody and we just hear their life story. Uh, the highs, the lows, the wins, the losses. Uh, most importantly, though, we hear about how they came to know Christ and what it's looked like in the context of their life to be a follower of His. Uh, these stories are, are, again, they're always unscripted. I don't cut them. We don't practice anything. We just start talking and see what happens. It's really fun. I uh, hope you enjoy the show. You can follow the show on Facebook at The Great Stories Podcast, uh, same name on Instagram. And, of course, you can listen to the show on Apple Podcasts or Stitcher right now. Just search for The Great Stories Podcast. you got to put in the whole, uh, the whole word, especially the word the. Apparently that, that you won't find it if you don't put that in. Uh, if you want to support the show, there's three ways you can do that. Uh, one is financially. There's a Patreon account if you search for the Great Stories podcast there. And just a little funding helps to get uh, you know better equipment, uh, get a logo going, maybe a real website one of these days, <laughs> stuff like that. Uh, a little help is always appreciated. The second way is to share the shows. Uh, I want this message to be out there, not so that the Great Stories podcast would be great or that I'd be great. Um, I want the God and the Christ that these people are talking about to be championed, to be shouted from the rooftops, and this is an incredible platform to allow people to do that. And uh, one of the biggest ways this gets out is by people just sharing it on their own Facebook page or their timeline or, or texting the link to people, whatever whatever you do, um, you actually play a role. This is a, This is a part of how the Word of Christ gets out there and how amazingly powerful He is in the lives of real people. And the last way you can support the show is by coming on it. Please come on the show and tell me your testimony or if you know someone you want me to talk to, shoot me an email at thegreatstoriespodcast at gmail.com. Uh, all right, so today I got to sit down with a really cool dude, a really intense guy named Mike McDonald. Uh, he's actually the, uh, the brother-in-law of my first guest on the show, DJ. And uh, I got to go out to Modesto and chat with him in his house there with his wife and his dog running around. Uh, what a great story, man. The guy grew up out there. Uh, just a, an amazing story of, of going from um, searching for meaning and purpose everywhere else except Christ and then God just stepping into this guy's life and just radically changing who he is. Uh, it was inspiring to hear his, his perspective on marriage, uh, his, his message to himself when he was a teenager, his perspective on the gospel, just beautiful things. Uh, the guy's a woodworker. I got to tour his shop, and I, I had total shop envy. Uh, Mike, you got an amazing shop, man. I, I'm, I'm so jealous. <laughs> I want to come out there and build something. Um, he's also a mixed martial arts fighter. He freshly retired just a few months ago, but had a great run. He was a UFC contender for quite a while. Uh, but what a cool story, man. I hope you guys listen to this. I hope you enjoy listening to it as much as we enjoyed recording it. Here we go. How's your hand? Um, good. Yeah, I've had uh, five hand surgeries, um, so very visible scars on these guys on both hands. The, on both of them. Which, but the there was left one. one is the most recent. 
this one here. Yeah. And this one was the, the biggest nightmare. This one break was probably worse than all the others combined. So you've broken both. I have. Before. I have. How, how did you do that? <laughs> um, wow. I wonder... I don't think I've ever broken my hand losing or, or like had a, had a serious injury losing. I think I get them all winning. Um, yeah, be playing a little too rough, I'd say. Um, yeah. So you you broke your hand on on someone's face, pretty much is head their head head. Yes. Okay. Heads, and and there is a difference. Heads break hands more than faces. Do. Yeah. But you, you're you're supposed to aim for the jawline, and right. and, and it's, that's a soft place to punch, and that's also what people call the button, the button. which which puts them down quicker. Right there. And uh, the head is a very hard spot where you break your hand, and that's what you're not supposed to do, and mm. I did it. Some, so heads, I broke my hand. some heads are harder than others. Yes, yes. And I've only broken my hand on heads. Wow. And that's your, your professional fighting career is mm-hmm. what we're talking about. Correct. So, in other words, you actually got paid yeah. to break your hand on someone's head. <laughs> Yes, I did. Yes. Man. Yeah, and they got paid to break my hand. They they got paid to headbutt my fist. What a privilege. <laughs> yes. You know, I think um, on my most manly of days, I don't think I can get there. <laughs> That's pretty awesome. I'll use tools and I'll drive a truck and do all these things, but I, I don't think, um, yeah, getting paid to break your hand on someone's face, that that's pretty... Well, that's the that's yeah. the part that's not fun at all. No, but that's pretty manly. <laughs> Hi, Rosie. Yeah, she wanted to show you her toy. Rosie, Rosie is Mike's dog, and she wanted to show me a little. What is that? Oh, I think it was a monkey. That's a miserable looking monkey. Yeah, yeah. She she wanted to get it and it's shake it up and show you how eyes. wild she is. <laughs> it's eyes all chewed up. Yeah, great. She's pretty rough on her toys. So, Mike, as manly as that sounds, there I found a picture a while back. Uh oh. Of um, I don't know. It's it's black and white. It looks really old, <laughs> and it's uh, it looks like uh, like an Indian, like from India, soldier, who had actually mounted a fifty cal on the back of a male elephant, <laughs> and he, he's got this big smile, and he's holding that's the back good. of this thing. I was like, that's it. I I have no hope. Like, how am I ever going to get there? I haven't even got as far as you have. So that's funny. Uh, well, thank you so much for having me out to your house here. Absolutely. We're sitting in in a house that you and your wife built. Correct. Uh, in Modesto, California, and uh, I'm drinking your coffee. Correct. Out of my Mickey mug. This is a Mickey Mouse mug. I love yeah. it. And that was a gift from uh, DJ and Rachel's mother. She is a great gift giver. Right on. Oh, that's a yeah. So DJ was the the, fir- the first interview, episode right. one. And that's your brother-in-law. Mm-hmm. Your wife's sitting over here. That's her. Mm-hmm. Uh, that's her brother. Yes. So we're keeping it in the family. <laughs> um, well, yeah. I I just want to get to know you a bit more. Um, are you a, a Modesto native? Like, where where did you am. start? Yeah. Um, I was born in Modesto. Um, I, I think at Doctors Hospital. Um, here okay. in Modesto, yeah. And uh, when we were, f- I was first born. Uh, I think the first house that we had was in Salida, and then uh, before long, we moved uh, into Modesto. We've been in Modesto ever since. Um, I have moved around a little bit. Um, I've moved to different places in Modesto, and I've also lived mm. in Oakdale a couple times as well. 
um, after being an adult. But my whole right. growing up was here in Modesto. I like Oakdale. It's fun. Yeah, it's nice. I've only driven through it, though. I never spent a lot of time in there. But mm. a lot of antique shops. Yeah. Because yeah, that's a are. thing. Yeah. And and I actually grew up about four houses down from here. My parents live about four houses down from us. Wow. So, um, yeah, this is still my stomping grounds, which I grew up in. Nowhere to hide. No. <laughs> Everyone knows no. your business. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, absolutely. I love it. Yeah. I, I have a body of water between my family and me. Mm. So they don't know what's going on. <laughs> I just tell them. Yeah. Um, so it's good. Um, tell me about growing up in Modesto. What is, what is, this is, you know, for a Bay Area type person, this is like country living. Yes. I don't know if you knew that. But yeah, it yeah. is. Yeah, exactly. And, and it's a different kind of country living. We, we're not exactly on a farm, but um, we are surrounded by almond orchards and yeah, see that. Uh, fruit yeah. trees and stuff like that. So that's, uh, you know, alfalfa fields. That's, that's what this is. Um, we're on the outskirts of Modesto and, uh, you know, uh, the closest store i think is uh about well closest grocery store is about a 10 minute drive you know so we're not too far away but uh you know this was the perfect place i think to grow up because Mm. what i loved about growing up here back when it was still considered like safe to to (laughs) you know walk around you know and uh yeah, I, I think, unfortunately, I think my generation might be the last one of those where it's, yeah, yeah all right, see you, see you later, kids, you know. Yeah. and uh, you come know. home when the sun sets. Exactly. Yeah. You know, and, and it was still safe um, to do that um, mm. when I was growing up. So I had uh, my, man, I could just talk for hours and hours about adventures. Uh, my, my best friend was my neighbor, mm. and uh, he's my same age, and uh, we uh, were both like the most... Uh, some of the most athletic kids in school. He was a, a an expert wrestler, and I was a, an expert in kickboxing. And huh. uh, we just we had adventures and adventures and adventures. Um, and it was just the the wildest way to grow up in this grade. <laughs> so you just go out and see what happens. Yeah. 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 You start every day asking the question. I wonder what would happen if we did that. Mm. Yeah. That there's <laughs> and you survive. No. No regrets on on how we were mm. we were raised out here. Um, well, at least when it comes to you know where we lived, our location, we loved it. Yeah. What year were you born? Ninety one. Ninety one. Okay. So that makes you. Hang on. How old are you now? Crud. Ninety one. Twenty seven. I'm twenty seven. I'm, I'm turning twenty eight. I think next week. Wow. Now now I feel older. Yeah. <laughs> Crud. <laughs> this bums me out. <laughs> I always think of grown-ups as older than me, but that's not that's not true anymore. It bums me out. I don't know. <laughs> yeah, it's weird that like me and me and my wife will watch like you know a college football game and be like, dude, every one of these kids are like yeah. way younger than us. Like, yeah, we're yeah. Old. Look know? at even the pros. Yeah, yeah. Even some of the yeah. pros are younger than us. Weird. We're old. Well, people say that about fighters too. Yeah. Oh yeah, thirty. Oh. I mean, that career's almost over. I don't know, he might have a couple more years left, and I'm like, what the heck? Yeah, I'm just getting going yeah. here. Yeah, come on. Um, and you are, in fact, retired. Mm-hmm. You told me that on the way in. That's a mm-hmm. strange thing to hear. Yes. Retired, retired from one fi- thing, yeah. getting into another. Correct, yeah. So the the pro fighting career is is over. Officially, yeah. I was officially it, retired. It. Was it the hand that kind of did that for you, or what? Oh, you're you're asking a big story, um, but I, I can try to keep it brief. Well, we we can come back to okay. it if you want. <laughs> <laughs> um, I, I'll say this: um, 
I did this this fighting career. I did it for t- two reasons. Now it started off as a sinful reason why I started, yeah. but God turned it into something good, and He turned it into a um, to 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 be a couple of reasons why I did this fighting thing. Um, number one is to stand on the rooftops and shout Jesus' name, and when mm. people ask me about whatever, speak boldly about Christ. And that is one of the reasons why. And mm. then the second reason why is because I love martial arts. I hate, absolutely hate the entertainment business, and I hate the fight <laughs> business with a passion. I hate the fight business. But yeah. what, what kept me in it was martial arts, that I got to do martial arts every single day. And that was a super fun thing. Yeah. And um, I, I basically, it, it was coming to a place where I the commitment was it was already at the tipping point, and mm. I because uh, first priority is my service to the Lord, second priority is service to my wife, and then third priority is ser- service to our future kids that we don't even have yet, but we already need to be serving and preparing for them. Yeah, and uh, you know we felt like uh, the fighting industry was just getting worse we felt like the commitment that we would have been required to to take it was going to increase to a level that was wasn't uh, comfortable for us mm. and uh we prayed about it and asked for god for confirmation if he wants us to leave and he knocked out of the park and gave us a 100 confirmation that we're supposed to leave wow all right well i want to come back to that but yeah let's yeah. go way back yeah back to being a kid mm-hmm. uh you said you did taekwondo was nope. that right? Kickboxing. Kickboxing. Your friend was a wrestler. Mm-hmm. You're the kickboxer. Correct. How, how does a kid from Modesto get into kickboxing in the 90s? Yeah. <laughs> I, didn't, um, I didn't know that was a thing. Well, I, I don't think it was in the 90s. Yeah, it wasn't in the 90s. I think it was early early 2000s when, okay. I, when I started. And um, so my older brother, his name's Justin, hmm. he was always getting into fights. He was a fighter. And... Uh, uh, by the time that guy graduated high school, he'd been in like 70 street fights, been expelled multiple times. <laughs> oh, I mean, just all over the place. Just he could not stay out of fights. Did he have a and, good record? <laughs> I think so. <laughs> yeah, the, yeah. the ones that I heard about, he won for the most part. Okay. You know, so that's good. But uh, you know, he was always getting in fights, and I wasn't. Uh, I, mm. I, um, I got into maybe two fights in my life, mm. and uh, it, it was ones that I was absolutely um, – forced into you know i'd never seek 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 them out and uh but i always loved competition um sinfully um well i was a i am a middle child and classically the middle child is the forgotten one and uh the overlooked one and i that was my story which i felt like i wasn't um I wasn't noticed. I wasn't affirmed and i wasn't special i didn't Mm. know how i didn't know that i was special and so i from a very early age, as long as I can remember, I can remember feeling unworthy and less than and saying, I'm going to seek that out. And again, from as early as I can remember, thinking there's two ways to be special. One is when someone physically touches you, when a girl expresses physical affection for you, that means that you're special and that they love you Hmm. and that you're you're something. Because you're only supposed to do that with one person. It's supposed to be with the most special person. Right. So from a young boy, um, I was fascinated um, with, um, with, with lust and women from my earliest memories. And then also um, competition was a way that I could prove that I was special and prove that I was better than somebody. And that was a way that I could, could fill that void for me. 
So I I, I always loved competition, and I always wanted to try kickboxing. I thought I'd be pretty good at it. And uh, my brother, because he was always getting into fights, he he had a dream to be an MMA fighter. Hmm. I didn't. And he said, um, I think he was 14, 14 or 16, okay. when uh, uh, he was always getting into fights at Davis High School. And the campus supervisor owned a martial arts gym. And he said, hey, you're always getting into fights. Why don't you come and train with me? And I'll show you how to do it for real. And uh, so Justin went and he said, hey, Mike, you want to come? And I'm like, oh, I always wanted to try boxing. I'll give sure. it a shot. Oh, sure. Why not? And that's how I started. Wow. How'd you do in the beginning? Did you pick it up pretty quick, or because you, you said, "Oh, I thought I'd be good at it." I was, yeah. So yeah. there was um, there were some things that I really sucked at, but um, there was a lot of things that were just natural. I I, I understood how to move my body. Um, I, mm. I understood coordination. I understood um, power um, from uh, day one. It was something that God just blessed me with. Mm. Um, I didn't have to work for it. From day one, I could hit hard. And That's funny. Um, yeah, I mean, I started martial arts at uh, I think twelve, yeah. and uh, even as a twelve-year-old, power. Um, we would uh, I, after only me me only uh, training martial arts for like a year. Um, we knew that I punched really hard, and my brother would we we would actually go to like Fun Works or billiards or wherever they had one of those punching games, <laughs> and my brother would hustle other adult men and, oh, and say, yeah, yeah, yeah. "Hey, I bet my little." You know, thirteen or fourteen-year-old brother can beat you on this game, and we we almost got in a couple of like <laughs> you know fights you me because they were they yeah. they felt they felt embarrassed, you know. But uh, that was something that God just blessed me at. And but there were some things that I was horrible at. And um, what what attracted me to martial arts was it was a way that I could use every skill that God gave me. Hmm. I could use my speed, my power. I could use my mind, which is an incredibly um, powerful thing that you yeah. need to be able to use. If you can't use yeah. your mind, you better not be in the game. It's speed chess with your body. That's it. Yeah, chess game. I've heard people say that before. Yeah, and it was just one of those things that I just accidentally fell into, and I could use every skill that God gave me, and uh, I and it turned out that I was great at it, and it, and immediately it became an addictive outlet that I could not get enough of to yeah. fill that void of feeling special. Wow. So tell tell me about the just the spiritual state. Of, of childhood where where were you at with all that so i was born and raised in a pentecostal church and there was some things that i learned there um and it was a you know one of those churches where um you know, my my uncle's the pastor and my 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 aunt is uh, the worship leader and my mom okay. is you know up there and everybody in there is, is related you you're know, a church kid the, yeah yeah <laughs> and it's all family my mom's family is enormous yeah. and uh, they're all part of the church um there was some good things that I learned there, and there was a lot of bad things that I learned there. And um, you know, no, no offense to anyone who's who's in a Pentecostal church. I, I have great right. friends who are Pentecostals, and they're great, yeah. great men and women. Me too. Um, but at the the particular church that I I grew up in, um, there was no understanding of grace. Um, I didn't know what that word meant. Um, I thought that that was like uh, I thought it meant like elegant. You know, grace, graceful. Yeah, yeah swan. Grace. Exactly. Right. You know, and uh, I didn't understand that word. Um, I mm. didn't. I didn't even understand why Jesus died on the cross. Um, it, it almost just felt like a a, a, a method of control uh, of making me feel bad, so mm. I can do it right. And I still can't do it right. Right. And um, I'm never going to get it right. And um, so basically, I, I um, 
I grew up in constant fear and never feeling good enough. Um, and, and, and again, this is one of the things that pushed me into, into you know, uh, looking for affirmation from women and looking for affirmation through mm. fighting. It was at home and at my church, everywhere, I didn't feel good enough. And these are places that I could finally satisfy that. And wow. so there was a lot of brokenness um, in me um, of feeling like, even from, like I said, my earliest memories or of lust and and of sexual brokenness. And I knew even as a small kid that I can't talk about that here at mm. church. Right. And the 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 good Christian that they're telling me to be, I can't be it. And you know what? Mm. I can sit here. I can I can sit in the back row and I can talk and I can even worship and I can I can put on an act, yeah. but I. I don't fit in here and I never will because I'm not good enough. Mm. Um, and uh, I, I had from, from a young age, I, I had encounters with the Lord and I, and I, um, I talked to him and I served him. Um, but it was also this crazy, just hurricane of emotion and guilt and confusion. Um, when like uh, one of the people at the church said, um, your Pokemon cards have demons in them and you better throw them away. You're going to hell mm. and they're going to possess you. Um, and, and, and basically them saying you, you can serve the Lord diligently for 80 years. And then after 80 years, if you say a swear word, God's going to send you to hell. Huh. And, um, so it, it, it was in constant fear. It makes me nervous just hearing. It. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> oh my gosh. Yeah, and as and as a naive naive boy, I mean, um, it just so much confusion and frustration that was yeah. involved. Yeah, well, and that's all. It it kind of pushes you away over time. Yeah, it's just from from what I've seen. Yeah, I think that's because I I work with our high schoolers uh, at our church, and I think that's a there's a conversation that comes up frequently. Yeah, it's like okay, yeah, we want them to be better, like practically, mm-hmm. of course, but. There's a way to go about it. Yeah. And it's not like, you know, oh, God's mad at you because you're bad. Yeah. You know, that, that doesn't seem to work. It didn't work on me either. I grew up in a yeah. Catholic setting, which is very similar. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. I, I remember deeply wanting to serve the Lord and deeply wanting to please him as a kid. Hmm. But uh, uh, like I said, for, from my earliest age, knowing I was incapable. And I remember as a, as a child hoping and praying that I get a terminal illness and that I am bedridden and I know when I'm going to die so that I can just be strapped to a chair and I am forced to stop sinning and then I can die and go to heaven because I didn't think I was going to make it any other way. Wow. You know, um, it was, it was just, I overwhelming. I will never be good enough. Wow. I'm, I'm in trouble. Wow. (laughs) Yeah. That's, Never heard that put that way. Yeah, and that yeah. was a legitimate prayer that I play, that I prayed. Yeah, yeah. I've heard guys talk about like, uh, you know, I, I can't control my eyes. Mm-hmm. You know, so I'll I'll just shut them <laughs> or sit in the closet in the dark and never look at anything. Yeah, but you still remember. <laughs> you can shut your eyes and see things. I know yeah. it. Yeah, man. So how did that? Uh, so now you're. This is 12 years old. You started fighting mm-hmm. or training. Yeah. Um, keep, and, going, keep going yeah. from there. Yeah. 
and, and that added even more um, stress at the church as well because no one agreed with it, mm. and, and everyone basically at, at at my church said that I'm doing something evil and that God doesn't approve of it. And I know what that meant is they're saying God's going to send me to hell for it. And I didn't understand. Um, I didn't understand yeah. any of that. Um, hmm. it, but in, anyways, I can continue that a little bit later. But, uh, yeah, you know, for, for fighting, um, it was the ultimate success story of I did not I had no plan and I did not want to be here and I just found myself here and it yeah. fit. Yeah. Um, so when I was 14 years old, um, uh, we ended up going to a new, new gym because our first gym that we went to was uh, was in Turlock, and uh, we ended up uh, going to uh, ultimately to, to Oakdale MMA. Uh, mm. uh, now it's called the Last Stand Fight Team, um, but it's not wasn't called that, that then. Okay. We we didn't have a fight team; um, we invented one. Um, <laughs> but uh, it was called Oakdale MMA, and um, we decided to go over there. And my coach, um, his name is Tom Theophanopoulos, and uh, Quite a name, yeah. Um, Athanasios Vasilios Theophanopoulos. Wow, what a name! Yeah, that's cool. Yeah, <laughs> that should be on a statue, right? <laughs> yeah. yeah, Greek statue. The, um, is the the lesson on day one is how to pronounce the full. <laughs> oh, dude, <laughs> the worst. The worst is when I, when I got to a point where they're like, okay, uh, I'm I'm standing in front of like a a, a a a state official, and they're like. And and who is your cornerman? I'm like Tom Theophanopoulos. Say okay, spell that last name. And I'm like, oh, off the top of my head. Ooh, ah, this know. is difficult. <laughs> <laughs> Took some practice. Yeah, no one knows. <laughs> yeah. So um, when I was 14, uh, Tom he uh, Tom is what we call him, and uh, he decided that he was going to put on a, a amateur kickboxing show. Mm. And he said, uh, Hey, Mike, um, I want you to fight in it. And I said, Really? <laughs> okay. Sure. Um, so I, I was I was willing. Um, I, I, it wasn't something that I sought out. Yeah. He, he said that I'm good enough, and so I trusted him. Um, I was 14, um, and I, I ended up uh, fighting for my very first fight a, a, a guy who was 21 years old. And uh, as I when I was <laughs> yeah when I was 14 yeah, <laughs> and we had a war. Yeah, we had a, an absolute war. Um, in, in smokers, I, I remember um, in, in your uh, interview with DJ, your talk with DJ, he said, yeah. you know, with smokers, there's no victory. Victor proclaimed, you're not legally allowed. Right. Um, so but so there wasn't a, a victor, <laughs> but we had a, this incredible war, and then it just snowballed. Because after that, that's when my, 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 my pull to it was just amplified because – now, for the first time in my life, I have people telling me how great I am, mm. and I have I, when, when people are saying, "Oh, you're the you're the knockout king. You are so talented. You are amazing. You're gonna go places. Yeah. And you're so special." And to never feel that in my life, um, yeah. And then to finally feel that there, that I finally belonged, that I finally was somebody, um, it just sent me into a snowball where that was my entire life's worth. Mm. From fourteen, that wow. uh, that just immediately that was my life's goal was even more um than it had before to be the best oh yeah yeah and if yeah. i wasn't the best i would beat myself up until i became the best because i didn't know how to live with myself if i wasn't yeah that's a trip yeah that's a trip it's a crappy way to live from yeah from yeah i guess now you're looking back right mm -hmm. but it did drove you to who you were weird Kinda, yeah, kinda. Beating up a grown-up 
when you're first trying. Yeah, yeah. I went you know, on to have nine of them. Yeah, crazy. You had nine smoker fights. Yeah, over your teen years. Uh, before I was sixteen. Wow, yeah. were they all against grown-up guys? I had one fight that was against someone my age. I was my second fight, and yeah. um, it, was, it was a bit of a mismatch. Poor so, kid. Yeah, we, we, we <laughs> just went back to me fighting uh, adults. Oh, man. Yeah. That's crazy. Yeah, and then at 16 is when I turned professional. That's that's when I uh, started doing it for, for real and getting paid, and uh, that's the big hmm. leagues. So that's like 09, 08, somewhere yeah, there? Something yeah, like 11, 11, 11, 09. No, no, oh, sorry, sorry. 11, 11, 07. 07. That rhymes. Yeah, I'd say that's probably when when I started like just being a fan. Mm. Somewhere in there. Because, mm. but yeah, before then, I, I was talking to DJ about it. Like, before then, it was just like these videos you'd rent. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and, like, you you thought you were getting away with something. It's like, <laughs> oh, cool. Look at, you can watch these guys fight. And it's crazy. Yeah. Those first, like you know frank shamrock dan severn mm-hmm. kneeing each other on the ground yeah, and just yeah. like what is no this rules, yeah. yeah this is crazy but by then it started to get more civilized i guess right, right? yeah yeah sanctioned yeah for um for someone listening who has no knowledge mm-hmm. of mixed martial arts or anything what like what is this that we're, we're talking about yeah so mixed martial arts um is is a a i guess the What's considered today to be the most safe and um, full of rules version of um, full full contact combat um, from uh, punches, knees, kicks, elbows, um, no headbutts, no eye gouging, fish hooks, no uh, strikes to the groin or the or the spine, no mm. neck strikes, right. um, stuff like that. Um, but there's a uh, wrestling involved. There is a uh, uh, submission attempts where you you try to put your opponent into a position where they're either they either pass out or their joint will break and cause permanent damage unless they give up. Mm. Um, and so it's basically a form of uh, combat between uh, very experienced martial artists, and no one should do it unless they are quite experienced. Right. You're and not a big fan of the backyard. No, um, <laughs> no, not at all. No, backyard and you only got little like... tiny gloves. You have four ounce gloves, and the only right. purpose of those gloves is to protect your knuckles. Right, and even then, apparently, sometimes. Yeah, <laughs> yeah they don't do that great of a job at it, unfortunately. Yeah, they don't save your opponent from any uh, amount of damage. No, no, not at all. Yeah. Uh, so I've only seen one fight live. I've seen them all on TV. I love it. I've watched everything. Um. But there was a promotion, I want to say, like in maybe 2008 at the Cow Palace mm. in South San Francisco. And I, I was actually working on an ambulance at the time. It was my first job. And we would do standby at, you know, sporting <laughs> events. And so they sent us out to, like, do standby. Uh, what is this? It's called, uh, darn it, the, the promotion was called uh, Malice at the Palace. I remember seeing fight posters for that event. It was bad. Mm, mm. <laughs> it was, it was, it was um, yeah, it didn't have the polish <laughs> of a UFC event. But I yeah. remember Chuck Liddell was there. He was shaking hands with people. And yeah. they did this promo with like Frank Shamrock and Bill Baroni. You know, like it's, mm. it, it was, it was pretty crazy. Nam Pham was the headliner before his, you know, uh, Ultimate Fighter, Ultimate Fighter yeah. episode and all that. So, but it was interesting to see in person mm. like 
like these two guys are going to fight and yeah. it's okay. <laughs> like no, no one's going to break this up. And yeah. Unless they're about to get seriously injured. Yeah. 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 And then they stop it. Yeah, yeah exactly. That's, that's how it goes. How does that work in, in your head? Cause normally when you think of fighting, mm-hmm. it's not something you really plan. Correct. <laughs> right. It's just like, Hey, yeah. say, All right, we're going to fight now. Right. And you go, but I mean, you have to think about it for like, a month, two months, six months, three, three months. Yeah. It, well, it, that's what we aim for is three months of knowing an opponent and preparing. That's what we right. aim for, I, at, at least on the level that I was at, which is uh, the UFC and Bellator, the highest organizations. Yeah. It's not the case with um, lower organizations. Um, you're lucky if you get three weeks notice of who you're mm. fighting and stuff like They're that. They're just getting so. whoever they can in there to do the show right? yeah yeah, yeah. Th- those things i mean often the people that you're fighting have no no record they have no pictures they have nothing um, so you don't know anything no you don't know anything so you're just uh you're going by the seat of your pants how much time did you spend in those organizations so i at 16 years old i uh started fighting at gladiator challenge okay and um it was on an Indian reservation um, because it was illegal for me to fight professionally because I wasn't 18. Right. Um, so I had to do it illegally on an Indian reservation with my mom's signature as a permission oh, slip. Man. She signed the thing. Yeah. yeah. Go get him, son. Yeah. It, it, it sounds crazy, but I, I, I never lost before. Uh, um, so I, I went on a massive win streak when I, when I started. Uh, and so... It wasn't like I I'd never done this before, and I was like, "Hey, yeah. mom, I want to fight grown men in a cage. Yeah. Let me do it." You know, it was <laughs> um, there was literally no one else left for me to fight amateur. I my my last couple amateur fights, I was, I, I mean, I was asking other instructors, like like lifelong martial artist instructors of other schools, if if I could fight them. And uh, one of my fights, I think my second to last fight was a uh, uh, guy was. Uh, 30 years old he was uh i was i was was, uh 15 years old he's 30 i was 140 pounds and he was 270 (laughs) and um i was just there was i there was just no one left for me to fight around here yeah and uh um so so it, it was more more so of like mom i i want to keep pursuing this 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 sport yeah and this is the only place i can do it I can't do it around here anymore. There's no one left to fight. Yeah. So can I go out here and do it? And she's like, yeah, I mean, you're, you're prepared. It's not like you're losing wow. all the time. You're, you're winning and you're ready to move up. So go mom. Yeah. That's cool. Yeah. And, and, and dad too. They, they, they were there for every one of our fights. Um, my dad made sure that, uh, yeah, he worked his butt off because for all, for a long time, you know, you don't, you don't, I mean, you go years, you know, just losing money, um, just yeah. um, spending money on all of, all of your gear and equipment and just like any sport, you know, right. and my, my dad made it a point to, you know, to pay for us to do that. And we didn't have a lot of money, and mm. but he, he made sure to sacrifice and made sure that we were able to chase our dreams. And so they were very, very supportive parents. Without them, there's no way we would have been able to do it. Yeah. How did they deal with the pressure from the church side of things? Oh, goodness. Um, so that's a, that's a big, uh, big mess. Um, so it was never a smooth thing. Yeah. Um, you, you know, I think my, my dad saw some issues, uh, with, with the church that we were at. And I think my mom had some difficulties of, 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 of leaving because her family was there. It's what she's, what she's known. Mm. And, and there were some good things about the church. Uh, and there still are. Um, I think, uh, I think they were, they were a little bit divided on that, unfortunately. And, uh, 
Um, but but the good thing is they were both together on supporting us, hmm. and uh, they, they 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 were both a team on uh, making sure that we all, all three of us because I have two brothers, they are both professional fighters as well, and uh, so it's not just me. Justin did his dream. He he became a professional fighter, and and yeah. and, and he's my greatest training partner. He is uh, the head coach for uh, of all of the, uh, the the striking for for last stand fight team for. Right I mean, and and he's one of the the greatest fighters around and uh that's cool brad is my little brother he's two years younger than me he started fighting pro at 15 that crazy guy <laughs> and uh he he is also um he, he he had a he had a kid and he had to start working and uh yeah. so he had to basically kind of stop fighting and chasing that dream because it's you go a long time without making any money yeah but uh <clears throat> he's he's also an incredible fighter they're both just just amazing my best training partners something so. in the water over there <laughs> yeah. yeah, something in the in the in the almond orchards. Do you guys have any sisters? You have three no. brothers? No, it's just the three three boys. Yeah, I couldn't imagine like having a sister and then like bringing a date home. <laughs> 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 These are my brothers. They'll kill you. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah. I, I, people yeah. joked about that growing up. Like, man, if you guys had a sister, her boyfriends would be. Uh, I know. Yeah, but yeah. I said I had one of our uh, one of our high schoolers that I'm close with, and she was talking to one of her friends, and I was there, and she's like, "No, Weber, he's not like intimidating at all." <laughs> and I was like, "Oh man, I got to do something dangerous." You know, you know <laughs> what I told her? I said, "You just wait till you get a boyfriend and ask him." <laughs> like, we'll we'll see what happens. <laughs> um, yeah. Well, so keep going with that then. So now you're you're a pro. Yeah. Yeah. Wow. At uh, 16, I turned pro. I went on a seven-fight win streak um, from uh, well, I had six pro fights from uh, from 16 to uh, to my 18th birthday, and my my okay. seventh pro fight, um, the first fight not in Gladiator Challenge, but in act in an actual legal place at at uh, uh, oh. was uh, January I think 17th, so two days after my 18th birthday was uh, uh, when hmm. I had my first... Um, wow, my, happy yeah, birthday. Yeah, my seventh pro fight. You know? yeah. So at that time, I had, uh, goodness, nine amateur fights before then, and then uh, six fights. So I had 15 fights. Holy cow. Um, uh, up until that point. And uh, I, I'd, I'd never lost any of them. And, yeah. I, and all my pro fights, I finished them all in the first round. So incredible success yeah. that, that I, I had. Um in, in, in the beginning of my career, um, just going through, um, and, and, and now I look back on it and it wasn't because I was that good. It's because God made it happen yeah. because he had a plan. I mean, dude, I, I was in, there was so many situations where I shouldn't have won those fights huh. where, um, I never practiced. I never did a takedown before in my life. I never did a double, double leg takedown. Someone punches me in the eye. My eyes go black. I can't see anything. I just go in and do a double leg takedown. <laughs> I never did an arm triangle either. And I took him down and I, Finished him with an arm triangle. I never did either one of those techniques, and I did it blind <laughs> in a fight. You it's know, so um, yeah, I mean, it's crazy stuff like that. That that, I mean, yeah, I should have lost. You yeah, know? Um, I was caught in a, a, a darce choke from Fernando Ariola, now black belt in Brazilian Jiu-Jitsu, mm. good good grappler, and I was probably in that thing for three minutes, almost passing out. <laughs> And then eventually he just let go. He got and tired. Yeah, yeah. You can't hold on. That uh, long. I mean, and even another one. I, I uh, Randy Radini. He got me in a guillotine and was about to pop my head off. And I remember, like, I was thinking, like, I'm in so much trouble. I just put yeah. my hands on his face and I just pushed on his face as hard as I could. And right as I was passing out, 
my head just pops out and I go in to win the fight. So it, it wasn't even that I was that great. It, it, it was God wanted to use that as part of his plan. Now I can wow. see that, you know, and it wasn't that I was that great, you know. I, 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 I am a good fighter, hmm. but God made it a point to put his stamp on those and say, you're nothing without me, hmm. you know. And that was actually a big frustration um, when I became a believer. Uh, well, well, because by the time I was 18 years old, I had enough of this this whole church thing because mm. I knew I wasn't good enough. I, w- I knew I was never going to make it. So yeah, why, why, am, why am I getting you know making myself miserable? So yeah, I I, I honestly I would uh, I would rather consider myself an atheist at the at the age of eighteen years old mm. because I knew I couldn't make it. I, I knew I couldn't do it. I wasn't good enough to be good, and I was just hoping that I would get in a car crash and I would have like 30 seconds before I died and I could pray the sinner's prayer for the, you know, the seven <laughs> millionth right. time right. and then I could go to heaven. You know, that was my, that was my hope. Um, so that was just a, just a nightmare on that, on that front. But, uh, hmm. yeah, so, so the whole thing was just a, just a, just a mess. And, 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 yeah. and then when I, when I finally became, and that's a story of how I got there too, of, of, of misery to, to be, um, to be hearing God's voice and to, and to say, I, I'm going to walk with him. That was a one miserable ride to get there. And when I finally did, God showed me all these things of ways that he has opened the gates for me. And, and mm. that, that actually made me mad because I was like, I was like, God, you won all those fights for me. And that made me mad because I'm like, am I even good? Am huh. I, am, am I even a good fighter? This is so important to me. This is like wow. my worth. And you didn't even let me win. You won them for me. So what would have happened if like, how good am I? Like, like not, not me with you, God, yeah. how, how good am I? Huh. And, and his answer to me was without me, you're nothing. Yeah. And, 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 and I just kind of sat there like, oh. Oh, yeah. Oh. That wasn't what I was expecting to hear. I thought I was great. Oh. You know, and, I'm, and that's not the case. Wow. Well, g- dig back into that. You say it, it, it was a miserable ride mm-hmm. between there and there. Like, dig through that journey for you. How how'd you get to that point? It was a, it was a parallel. It was, it was, it was two things. Um, so one of them, as... As deep as I dove into finding my worth and value from martial arts and from people saying that I'm great, um, I also delve equally into lust and and sex and pornography. Um, When I was, um, man, how old was I? I I was maybe 10 when uh, I just naively not even not even seeking it out um and ended up uh finding a huge box of pornography and immediately from the age of 10 i was hooked and addicted and Hmm. it was something that consumed me um and then um translating into uh into dating relationships um absolutely consumed my thoughts um everything about my life was just i'm looking to be good enough that's Hmm. it because I, I can't be good enough anywhere else. I'm just looking to be good enough. I'm looking to be worth something. My whole life. That's what that was. What my pursuit was about. Right. And so, um, my I had a girlfriend like like pretty dang consistently like almost every year of my life since I was in like kindergarten. 
<laughs> Stupidity. Kindergarten. Now, what do you need a girlfriend at kindergarten for? Yeah, stupid. <laughs> stupid. Um, but um, these are those are the two things that I dove into to feed my value, hmm. um, and and to, and to feel like I was finally good enough. And uh, you know, by the time uh, I was uh, sixteen years old. Um, I ended up um, losing my virginity at, at 16 years old, um, and, and again, in, in the hopes that it would bring value to me, right. that I would find value, I'd have value, and I'd finally be good enough, and um, it, it was in pursuit of having someone say to me, you're good enough for this, you're good enough for yeah. that, you're good enough for that, yeah. and um, by the time I was 18 years old, um, 18 years old was one of my rock bottoms it, it it was like uh you know how they talk about like the uh like the market crash of 09 how it was one big crash and then one after that it was yeah. it was a double that was, was my a, 18 and 19 years a pile up yeah yeah so that was what, what happened to me for my 18 year when i was 18 and then 19 wow. it was a first rock bottom and then a double um when i was 18 years old um i was um living with my girlfriend she was in merced um and um, I was, I was still in high school. Um, and mm. and while I was still in high school, I was living with her in Merced. Um, and again, I would rather consider myself an atheist than a Christian at this time, just because there was no hope for me. Um, right. And also at that at the time of eighteen years old, I had my first real test as as a as a mixed martial artist. So. Mm. Um, these two moments happened at the same time for me, which is my girlfriend who I was living with and who had consumed my entire life. Um, we broke up and that was step one of this first crash, which is one of my outlets right. of value for me right. were stolen, was taken away from me. And, uh, that meant that I had no choice but to pour everything into martial arts. That's the one thing I got yeah. riding on now. That's that, all you got left. That's my value. Yeah. You know, and so, um, I, I, I mean, and not even just with, with, with fighting MMA, also in jiu-jitsu competitions. I would do jiu-jitsu competitions. Yeah. Um, I, I, I probably had 23 fights undefeated, finishing everybody never going to a decision and just just feeling like i was on fire and that that this was the way that i was going to carve out a way for me yeah I, I remember i remember before this happened before this big crash i remember someone asking me in an interview what is your goal for mma what, what what's 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 the fire behind you and mm. i remember it, it was but when i'm done people will remember me as the greatest martial artist ever live that was my goal that i you, will be, you would say that yeah you, yeah that, that, that I will be cemented in history with value. Wow. That was my goal. And um, so after my girlfriend break up, broke up with me, I poured myself even more into uh, to martial arts, and I ended up fighting a guy named Cole Escovito. And Cole Escovito was the WEC champion before Uriah Faber came along. Yeah, I've heard that name. He yeah. was the man. Okay. Yeah, the patchy yeah. kid. Uh, and, uh, right. He was uh, a great fighter, a great champion, and uh, it's funny. 
um, my my favorite submission, one, one, one that I excelled at, and even as a white belt, I could do it better than black belts, was a triangle choke. It was my gig. Mm. And uh, it's funny. That was also Cole's gig. He, he had <laughs> he was 7-0 and uh, when he first started. He was 7-0, mm. and all first-round triangle choke submissions. Wow. Very good uh, fighter. And uh, he's a black belt in jiu-jitsu. Yeah. He's good. And uh, this was my first test. And I knew that the winner of this was going to go do big things. Everybody knew it. Uh, yeah. I had a manager, and he's like, hey, this is the guy. You walk through Colts yep. you know, you got the world at your fingertips. You're ready to go. Yeah. I'm like, all right, man, let's do it. He stomped on me so hard. <laughs> oh. I am still to this day. One of my one of my front teeth is slightly discolored because he almost knocked it out. Um, so I, I my mouth was so swollen I couldn't eat solid food for a week. Oh. So he took me down. I landed one punch and he took me down and pounded my face for two rounds. Um, it, it ended up hyperextending my arm and I was a dummy. I didn't tap and it just and because I cause I was stubborn and I wanted to win the fight. Right. It just. And the round was over when he when he when he busted my arm. Yeah. And so now I'm fighting round two with a busted arm. Oh, you kept going. Oh yeah, I kept <laughs> oh, going. Yeah. And then he just ended up beating me down even more. Yeah. Um, the ref ended up stopping it because I was just getting my face pounded in. Right. Um, and 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 this was a, a big moment when the the crowd of people that were now cheering for me to get my face kicked in mm. were the same group of people who said I had value. That said, mm. hey. You're something special. You're awesome. You're gonna go there. You're so. You're this. Blah, blah, blah. We're taking pictures with you. And now that's the same exact crowd who is uh. cheering for me to get pounded into near death. Uh. And when that happened, yeah. And to get devastatedly lost. It was my first loss I ever experienced, and it was a devastating loss. And it was a big promotion fight. It was a big. I, I think this was a. This is like the co-main event for this this card. It was a mm. big, big deal, and uh, to get destroyed in such spectacular fashion like that. Right. Um, and then right after that, because after Cole Escovito destroyed me, and yeah, he he went up to go do great things. He's traveling all over, going to Japan. Yeah. He gets signed back up on all these crazy things. And that would have been me. And now everything that I found value in has now come crashing down. Wow. And I remember just being completely destroyed and completely broken and having no idea where to go and so my girlfriend left me the fighting left me and yeah. the only thing i have left that that i don't that i think isn't going to turn on me just the same is porn and that's something that's not going to leave me so i just dove myself into pornography as heavily as i could hmm. and let that just numb my brain and just fry yeah. my brain because yeah. i was just so miserable in my life i just didn't know what else to do um and what that did and funny now i know this if you <laughs> addicts of anything they're either numb hmm. or they're high and that was me i was either numb or high no emotional, no emotional yeah. capacity whatsoever. Right. And I, I, I just wanted my drug. And then when I didn't have my drug, I was just in a daze. Just no emotion. Just wanted to get through the day. Hating my life. Hating everything about me. Um, anyways, it ah. kept going until I was 19 years old. And um, this, this depression. And, and it's interesting that after that happened, it never... 
it never came back the same way. That that that, that rush that I got from uh, from a new relationship, that the the, hmm. the the rush of the crowd, it never came back uh, the way the way it was before. Hmm. Um, it, it, it it was always tainted, and I always knew that you're gonna leave me. Yeah. You're actually not in here for me. And this crowd of people who are cheering me and telling me how great I am, you guys are going to turn on me as soon as, as, soon yeah. as you can. You're going to cheer for me to get pounded in because the fact is you're just most of them are just just drunks who want to see someone get beat up. Spectacle. Exactly. Yeah. Exactly. And uh, so I was just like, you know what? Huh. Um, I, I kept going, and, and I, I ended up um, coming back. I, I, I ended up um, having great fights, uh, two uh, knockouts in the first round right after that, mm. one of them being against Manny Tapia, who was um, yeah. just a year before that was considered the number two best fighter in the world, yeah. and uh, knocking him out in the first round. Everything's going well career, career-wise, but it's not coming back. Yeah. That feeling's not coming back. And um, no matter what I'm doing, I'm still numb. Even though I'm having all this success and 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 and, wow. and, and I'm a champion and, and everything is great, and then even after that, I ended up um, having a rematch with Cole Escovedo. Yeah, I ended up having a re- rematch with him and I knocked him out in the second round. He was the Tachi Palace champion. Yeah, and, and and Reed Harris, who was the WEC president, was there to scout him back to the WEC, and I ended up Not knocking anymore. him out in the second <laughs> round. Yeah, he took me instead. Everything's going well. Everything's yeah. so great, and still just numb. And nothing has restored that, and it's just still frustration uh, and emptiness, and nothing is working. So I remember just going through a numb stupor for for months, just just having no hope and no idea what to do, and um, well, and I'm I've also uh, not anymore, but most of my life I've also been a video game addict of. Mm. I, I keep myself busy. I keep myself busy so I don't have to feel. I don't yeah. have to stop and think about what I'm feeling and what's going on in my life. So I keep myself busy. Mm. And that's what I did. So when I wasn't um, pursuing uh, my sexual addiction, I, when I wasn't pursuing my addiction to um, fighting and, and, and people's affirmation, I was on video games. And again, that was another way because I'm great at it. Yeah. And that was a way that I can prove myself better than other people around me. And um, so it's just constantly bombarding and just keeping myself numb because I didn't know what to do. Finally, God made me settle down. And yeah. finally, so I, I, I used to teach private lessons uh, and I still do occasionally, but I, I, I taught private lessons and I had one client who drove all the way from Merced to come and teach, uh, to, to learn from me. His name is Raphael. And um, we had a, a lesson in Oakdale and I live in Modesto. Yeah. And so that's 25 minutes away. Yeah. So I was over there and it's our, our, uh, our appointment is for 10 o'clock and, uh, I'm there 10, 10, no Raphael. So I give him a call. Hey, Raphael, hmm. you on your way, bud? Oh, Michael, I'm so sorry. I'm in Merced. I'm on my way right now. I'm getting in my car. I'll see you soon. Hangs up the phone. And I'm like, that's an hour away. Like, in the worst part, I can't even go home because I'm just going to go home and sit down for five minutes and I got to head right back. Yeah. Like, what am I going to do for an hour? I am just, this sucks. So I was like, dang it, Raphael. I would rather him just cancel. He's going to get a hard workout when he gets here. Though. Yeah. So I'm just like, what am I going to do? So I'm like, I'm like, you know what? I guess I'm just going to go to Starbucks. I, I'll just, again, find something to do. Yeah. Keep myself busy. And so I, um, 
I go walk out of Oakdale MMA. We're on First Street at the time, uh, right next to the Corner Cafe. Okay. And uh, I walk out on the F Street and First Street, and I'm going to cross the street um, so that I can go to Starbucks. Yeah. And I hit the button to cross the street. And this freaking light is not turning red. I am just there for what seems like 20 minutes. <laughs> it will not let me cross. I don't even think it was that long, but it just seemed like forever because I could. I never let myself feel. I never let myself calm down and actually mm. feel my misery. Being and still. I was always busy. Yeah, yeah. being still. I never would because I, 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 I knew that it would result in me hating my life. And so, actually, I didn't even know that I just... I, I didn't even want to think about it. Mm. So I just kept busy. Yeah. So finally, God had this light not turn red. <laughs> so I couldn't cross that street. And I just sat there just still for the first time in my life. And I had that first thought there that I don't want to live. I, I Why am I even alive? Huh. I would rather not. I'd rather die at that moment. While everything on the surface is peachy, girlfriends, success, um, everything that I ever wanted, popularity, champion, uh, a family who loves me. Mm. I mean, I, I, I'm healthy. doesn't matter. It, 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 it all added to nothing. And, and, I, and I sat there at the end of that. And, and this is now I can look back and I know what, know what it is, is a lot of people have hope in the wrong thing. They have hope that if I just have more money, if I just had this, if I just had that, if I had more success with this, or yeah. this was different, if only if, only if, then I'd be happy. So they have hope in these things, right? And most of them never get those things. Yeah. Oh, if I could only be a millionaire, then I'd be happy. Well, what would happen to you if you got all that you ever wanted and you were more miserable than you ever before? Hmm. What would happen is now you have no hope. Yeah, you hope. had you hope in right. something that was wrong. Now you have it and it didn't work. Now you have no hope. And that's what happened to me. I got everything I ever wanted. Huh. And the result of it was absolute misery. I, had, I took everything this world had to give. And it added up to me wanting to kill myself. And at that moment, God spoke to me for the first time that I, that I could hear him. And hmm. that is a significant moment for me. Because when I was a kid... People always said, oh, God told me this. God told me that. God right. said this to me. Yeah, well, God didn't talk to me. Right. It's just another reason for me to not feel good enough. Yeah. That Why am I not good enough for God to talk to me? Pull that in a little closer. We're going to oh, lose you. Yeah. Yep. There we go. So it was just another reason that I could say, why am I not good enough? Yeah. I don't fit in. I don't belong. And so um, God spoke to me, and it was simple. And he said, I love you. <laughs> Rosie agrees. <laughs> That was good. Yeah, Rosie said amen. So God said, I love you. Yeah. And I'm going to give you a taste of joy. And it's a taste of what I can give you. Hmm. And for no other reason than God called out from the heavens and told me he was going to give me joy. Either that or I had reached a point of insanity that I'm now <laughs> talking to myself and giving myself placebo right. emotions, placebo pills. <laughs> One of the two happened, and I'm convinced it was God opened yeah. up to heaven and called out to me. Um, I went down that street jumping and screaming and, huh. and, and yelling for joy, having no care about who saw me or how I looked. I was just overcome by joy like i haven't felt since i was a little kid wow and uh, 
I said, this was my words. I think I'm going to give this church thing another try. <laughs> that was my words. But it was really, I'm, I'm going to give this God thing another try. Yeah. Because there's a difference. Yeah. Wow. That was the start. Man. Isn't that amazing? Yeah. And I think what what jumps out at me there is that you weren't really looking for it. No. Right. No. And this is, now I, I know, it was when I had nothing to give. Yeah. That my hands were empty. You know, I, I, right. I, God didn't, he didn't want me when I had all these things to give. And he wanted me when I had nothing to give. Yeah. And, and you knew it. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> I had nothing to offer him. And he's like, you have you. I wow. want your heart. I want you. You are good enough for me. Not what you do. You are good enough for me. And that was the day my life started to change. Wow. I, I have a similar scenario mm. in, in my, my books. It was, it, it doesn't make sense. Mm. You know, over the course of a breakfast, mm. I went from like, Jesus isn't real. Mm. Bible's a joke. People who believe it are crazy people. Mm. And then at the end of breakfast, I want Christ to be God. And I want to be <laughs> like, what, what is this? Like, I don't understand this, but yeah, yeah I'll go with it. Mm. Man. So then now you're 19. Yeah, I was 19 there. Yeah. Still beating people up. Yeah. And then <laughs> did the guy ever make it from Merced? <laughs> he did. Oh, good. Okay. I don't even remember what happened. I All I remember was what was most important was yeah. my life was changed at that moment because God spoke to me. And yeah. He said he did his role as the wonderful counselor. A taste of joy. Yeah. How long did that last? Were you jumping around all crazy for a while? <laughs> oh, man. Well, it's never been that bad ever since. So in, <laughs> in, in a way, it's lasted forever. Yeah. But, uh, At what point would you say you were, like, Christian? Like, a, like saved? Was that it? Or was there, like, another series of conversations or the I prayer or whatever? It just kind of happened. I don't know. Uh, um, I've said the sinner's prayer a million times oh, yeah. growing up. And... Uh, I don't know if that really meant anything. It might have. It might not. I'm not hmm. sure. Um, I, I I really can't pinpoint it and say why it is. And uh, I guess this is uh, my own internal battle with the whole, you know, uh, what election actually means. Right. Uh, and because uh, I don't understand it. Yeah. Know? And and I don't Good understand. Luck. Yeah. Exactly. I mean, who can? You know. Yeah. Um, one one part of me could be like, well, I asked God into my heart when I was a when I was a child, and God wasn't going to give up on me. And <clears> then the other part of me was going to be like, I have n I have no idea when I was ever saved. All I know is that God saved me. Yeah. That's all I know. Yeah. And you you figure it out over time. Yeah. You're like, oh, okay, yeah, I guess it was. Mm -hmm. <laughs> this is real. Yeah. It's weird. Absolutely. Hmm. So then from there, the, the fighting career continued. Correct. Uh, what, what was the, the results of this now? How did that, how did that progress for you? Um, well, um, yeah, it was good. I mean, after that point, you know, I had another quite a few years. I mean, I, I just recently retired six months ago, um, 27 today. Yeah. And uh, so from... You know, 16 to 27, I was fighting professionally, and 
uh, it, it went well. I, I fought for the UFC title. I uh, fought some of the greatest fighters in the world. I yeah. fought for the two best organizations in the world. Um, I've had ups and downs. I've uh, I've lost. I've won. I've lost spectacularly. I've won spectacularly. Mm-hmm. I've uh, traveled the world. Um, it's been a ride. Yeah. What are some of the more memorable, uh, you know, UFC moments that you've had? Just for the for the fan in me that wants to know, like, what was that like? Oh man, um, that's a good question. I, I there's a few cool ones. Um, you know, one this is a really special one for me. There, there's two fights that are my favorite fights, yeah, and, and then another one that's a third. But right, the most important fight to me that I've ever had was my rematch with Cole Escovito, and that was one that was before I got into the... I, it was, I had one fight in the WC, but the WC got absorbed by the UFC and became right. the UFC. So, um, so it was Zufa, which is the, the organization that owns the UFC, um, hmm. So even when I was there. But anyways, um, that was the most special to me. But second most special to me was when I knocked out Miguel Torres in the first round. Hmm. Um, because when I was 15 years old, I remember watching Manny Tapia and yeah. Miguel Torres right. fight for the Bantamweight WEC Championship as the best Bantamweight fighters on the planet. Right. And they, everyone was talking about how great they were. And I'm sitting there in my parents' living room watching them as a 15-year-old kid, and I'm saying, I can knock these, these guys out. <laughs> I can beat both of these guys. I yeah. want to fight both of these guys. And I got to fight Manny Tapia when I was 19 years old, and yeah. I ended up knocking him out in the first round. Yeah. And I was the only person to ever do that. And that was special because he fought some of the greatest fighters out there and yeah. no one had put him away in the first round. I was the only one. And then when I got to fight Miguel Torres, putting him away in the first round as well, knocking him out in the first yeah. round. And that was super cool to me to be like, I wanted to do this yeah. since I was 16 years old. And I said I could do it and God granted me with that. And that Good. was a super, super <laughs> cool thing. That is cool. Man. You said you had two more. Keep going. I'm excited. Oh, oh, uh, well, well, number one is uh, Cole Escobedo. Yeah. Two is Miguel Torres. Okay. Um, and three is Manny Tapia. Those are my top yeah. top three um, right. most most important ones to me. And then there is another really really cool one. Um, and it's not exactly cool because of the fight. There's been a lot lots of cool fight ones, but um, one of them was really cool. And this was uh, um, my fight with Alex Soto. And that was a really cool one. Okay. Um, so when I fought Alex Soto, um, if I remember correctly, I think I think that was on Rachel. Was that Shogun Henderson? Hmm. I could be wrong. I think it was Shogun Henderson. Okay. When Shogun fought Dan Henderson. Yeah. And that was one of the greatest fights in all of UFC's history. Yeah. yeah. Um, I could be wrong. Surprised they survived. Yeah. <laughs> I remember that. Yeah, yeah. I know. Um, brutal. It, the main event isn't that important. Yeah. But, but what, what is important, because it could be on another one, um, but it doesn't matter. But what is important was I actually 
Um, I, so I, I ended up uh, knocking Joe so- uh, Alex Soto out in the Joe Soto. Joe, Joe Soto is a friend of mine. We never fought. So. <laughs> sorry, Joe. Yeah, sorry, Joe. Um, <laughs> Alex Soto, I ended up uh, knocking him out in the first round. Yeah. And he was a good fighter. Um, but that day, uh, in the stands, there was a, a girl there who saw me on the Megatron and said, uh, literally, the first time she saw me, said, I'm going to marry him. And she did. <laughs> and that was uh, my wife's first. Is that true? Love at first knockout? Oh. Not, even at the end, not, not even at the end of the fight. Literally when my face popped up on the screen, my wife looked at DJ and, and uh, Greg, who is next to her, and said, yeah. I'm going to marry him. What? And That's awesome. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. What was it? What what was it about his face? <laughs> um, well, when I was like fourteen, I prayed to God that like he would kind of tell me what my future husband would be like, and he gave me like some like qualities. And then I remember I had a dream, and like it was like a I remember I had a dream. I was looking at a boy's face, and I but I feel like forgot it. And then when I saw his face on screen, I was like that that's the boy, that's him. Get out of here. Yeah. That's yeah. so cool. It was your face. You're the man of her dreams. Literally. In my dream. <laughs> yeah. Her, her story is super cool. And it and honestly, her story of meeting me is much cooler than mine. Mine is misery. My like I, I, I met Rachel at a at a, at a low. Yeah. Uh, at at, at uh, that time, like um I don't I don't even want to get into this long story because it's a long story, but Long story made short. Sure, I was at a very low spot because um, basically I was dating another girl, and um, I okay. People get into a lot of trouble, and they don't know this, but people get into trouble because if God gives them a vision or a message, Hmm. they will say it and then go so far as to interpret it when it's not their place to do it. Right, and I had someone do that for me. And God, God gave me a message about my previous girlfriend through uh, through a, a relative hmm. uh, about about a previous girlfriend that I had, and said, "I'm going to give you a gift through this relationship." And I didn't want that relationship that I had with that other uh, other girl, my previous girlfriend before I met my wife. Okay, I didn't want my that relationship with her, but I heard that, and I said, "Okay, so yeah. I guess I guess I'm just going to go along for the ride." Basically, um, it was a horrible heartbreak she on my birthday just took my heart out and crushed it on the floor and it was just a miserable experience and so i because that person went so far as to tell me what that dream meant and they were mm. wrong about it right they they went so far to interpret it and that wasn't their places to, to interpret it. it was their place to give the message and shut their mouth but they went so far to interpret it and they told me something wrong yeah and because of that i thought that god lied to me yeah. I thought that he was untrustworthy, and I couldn't trust God, and so I was really struggling. I was at a very low, I, being a believer, walking with God, at a very, very low spot, and 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 willfully running away from Him in rebellion at that moment because I didn't feel like I could trust Him, hmm. and that's when I met my wife um, when I wasn't ready, and I'm like, I'm done with women. I this is yeah. this is miser- misery. I am so I'm not ready. And um, that's when she met me and her. She was faithful. My, my wife was faithful. I was not. Huh. Uh, I'm her first boyfriend. Um, she has waited her whole life um, for me, knowing <laughs> wow. that she's waiting for me. 
and she had no question and was unwavering i wasn't i was fleeting i was running i was um confused um her story on that side is wonderful on my side it's misery hmm. wow yeah what a what a privilege for yeah you, for you right absolutely like, absolutely man yeah crazy ride yeah and then so but you where where were you how did okay so how did it go from jumbotron <laughs> like give me the highlights of okay so did she um, did she meet you outside and just tackle you and say you're the one <laughs> <laughs> so um rachel's dad and dj's dad yeah ron right is um pretty much best friends with my coach tom okay they're very very good friends and they are uh, childhood teammates they grew up practicing kajakimbo together okay so um the kajakimbo the the hawaiian street fighting martial art the dj talked yeah. to you about yeah that is the uh, the base martial art of my my my, my coach which right. he grew up in, uh, learning and uh they were teammates and they're okay. still great friends Rachel and her family went to my fight, not to support me. They didn't know me. They went to my fight to support Tom. Okay. And so while they were there to support Tom, yep. Rachel had this experience, and there's more to that. Yeah. But yeah. afterwards, she decided, I have to let him know. He doesn't know that I exist. He yeah. needs to because this is the man of my dreams. God, God showed me him in a dream and said we're going to be married. And... I have to let him know. He has to know I exist. And she sent me a message on Facebook. And um, I mean, like I said, I was just so, I, I was in misery. I, I was not in the place where I could yeah. hear God clearly. I wasn't yeah. even willing to, but she was. And uh, she sent me a message, and all I saw was pretty girl. And <laughs> so I, 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 I was I was in this weird place of, I was fascinated with Rachel, and I couldn't stop from talking to her, but I was very afraid, and I was mm. super wishy-washy. I was super, like, uh, oh, I was I was horrible, like, uh, because because I was so scared. I was mm. so scared of um, being heartbroken again, yeah. being hurt again, like I've yeah. been so many times. Um, I was, I didn't think that I was ready or able to... Uh, to meet the woman of my dreams hmm. and that scared me that that rachel is here and uh so i ended up taking her out on a date and uh again i had this thing inside of because of my pain in my past i didn't want a relationship with anybody but i could not stay away from her because right. she's that amazing hmm. and god just made a, a a passion for for in me for her that i could not avoid no matter how scared i was yeah. um and how hurt i was at, at my past i couldn't stay away i ended up taking her out on a date it was the greatest day of my life and from that moment i couldn't stop talking about her and i would say in one one situation oh i can't be with her i i yeah. telling her i can't be with you I, I i'm not ready and and then um but i couldn't stay away from her and eventually she had to be like mike what do you think this is like wake <laughs> up like we are together wake up yeah and i'm like oh crap we are i'm scared <laughs> you know yeah well you 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 should be <laughs> right? this, yeah yeah wow what a neat uh scenario yeah darn it nobody's facebooked me yet 
<laughs> telling me that it's meant to be. Darn it. Yeah. One of these days, maybe. Yeah. I got to get my face on more big screens. And it, and it was even things oh, like uh, <laughs> like um, the last girlfriend I had before Rachel. Um, she she was one of these people that, uh, you know, she she's in a crowd. She, she, she puts on a face to be that crowd. Mm. Um, she has no identity. Um, it, it's just you put her into a crowd, and she is that crowd, and you change her crowd, and you change her. Chameleon. Exactly. Yeah. And... Um, and I, and I hope she's doing well. I I, I hope that her, her her life is doing better. But at that stage, that that's where she was at. And I remember saying, um, like, um, this is what I think about this. Like talking about life and talking about um, yeah. compatibility. This is what I believe about kids and what I believe about marriage. And what I believe about job and what I believe about service and all this kind of stuff. And her, every time her answer was, "Oh my gosh, me too." Hmm. You know, that was that was her answer. And I don't even think she knew what she thought about it. And then I learned my lesson. So when I when I, when I talked to Rachel, I didn't I didn't answer a single question. I I, I like when I started to, to to realize like, oh my gosh, I I think this might be the girl. I think I think it's true. I think this is my wife. Like, I better ask her some questions. I better get this. I, and so I, I grilled her. By by an interview, I basically yeah. gave her a wife interview. Yeah, and, 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 and for like like two hours, just ask her question after question after question, and every one of it was spot on of what 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 you I, I would hope that she would say. Yeah, and perfect perfection in every way. And I'm just sitting there like, that's it. I have nothing left to say. Okay, wow. I guess my I guess I'm going on a ride right now. Do you do you remember any sample questions? <laughs> like what what is a Yeah, I, um I what do you think a, a wife's uh, role is in a marriage and in a family? Uh-huh. Um what do you think a, a a man's priority should be? What do you think a woman's priority should be? Um what do you yeah. think about disciplining children? What do you think about spanking? What do you think about uh about schools? What do you think I'm uh, um, just all things like that. I mean, yeah. just, uh, what do you think about family? Um yeah. uh, what do you think about um where where you want to live? Do you want to live where you are? Are you stuck where you're at, or are you wanting to leave? Hmm. Um, what do you think about um, about God? What do you think about church? What do you think about yeah. grace? All these different things. Yeah. How important was her spiritual condition oh, as far as your your criteria, right? Man, um, that's a hard thing to to. to to answer um it's almost because like it that's not even something that crossed my mind Hmm. at at that time because um i just knew it i this 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 sounds Hmm. funny but it wasn't like um i i wasn't curious about it for very long because um when i took her out on the first date i was terrified and I and I, I I I I couldn't stay away from her because I was pulled to her like a magnet because that's the way God made it. <laughs> um, but um, I wasn't exactly like looking for a candidate to marry because yeah. I was so scared. Right. And before the first date was over, I saw everything that she was, and 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 literally in tears over. Wow, I've never met anybody like this before in my life. Wow. Um, and so it wasn't like I'm I'm sitting here like, oh, um, weighing you know her and, and 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 you know is is she right for the job? Right, checking things off. Yeah, it wasn't yeah. it wasn't really like that. It was it was just like kind of like with fighting, how I just just fell into it and God just ordained it. Wow. 
That's cool. You're lucky. You're lucky. Blessed. Very. Very blessed. Absolutely. There you go. That's a better Very word. Very blessed. How long have you been married? Uh, we got married in 2014. Okay. It's pretty good. Yeah. Yeah. The, the five-year hump, I guess, is like this, the big one, right? Yeah. If you can make it to five, you can do 10. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Wow. So and a couple questions then in this whole realm. Um, back to the, the fighting side. Mm-hmm. And then I have another marriage side thing. Mm-hmm. So on... On one hand now, you've got Christ, uh, compassionate, loving, yeah. Yeah. lover of your heart, secure in eternity, all these things. On the other end, you have <laughs> breaking hands on faces, or right. heads, sorry, heads, not heads. faces. Yeah. Um, how, how has this, like, this, this must have been a, a, just a, a fascinating struggle in some ways but also like uh, a blessing for each other like so how how is your faith both conflicted and enhanced this career you've had so far i think most people would be surprised by the answer um please (laughs) (laughs) yeah i feel no hesitation whatsoever in any way when it comes to Going into competition, in, in combat competition, against mm. a skilled athlete who knows the cost, knows the risks, mm. and knows what they're getting into, and they are completely capable of putting me away as fast as I put them away, and we right. are both willing, I feel zero conflict about that. Mm. Um, that is the easy part, uh, because we both know what we're doing. And, 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 and this might sound crazy to some people, but it is no different than having a game of football. Someone's right. going to lose. Right. But the difference is we have one game every three to nine months. Hmm. That's the difference. And so it matters a lot more. This is one part that was hard for me is most people don't understand how important these fights are to people. Well, first off, for most people, if you lose, you usually lose at least half of your pay. So you usually only get your hmm. full pay if you win. You get a you get a a, a show show money yeah a, a, a show purse and a win purse and excuse me hmm. so first off most people could never imagine taking a pay cut by half yeah. for the year yeah that's scary and that's what fighters have to go through where when I win yeah it's good for us but. I'm just like I just destroyed someone's year potentially, you know, huh. and, and that's that's hard for me um, financially. And and I wrestled with that a lot. Yeah. Of God, I feel horrible. I, I had I had um, opponents' wives um, send me messages and ask me why because people would say things like, "Oh, it was God's will for you to win, Mike," and then they would say, they'd send me a message and say, "Why was it?" god's will for you to beat up my husband and for (laughs) us to not have any money to pay our bills why was that god's will for him to ruin our lives okay Um, yeah that was hard yeah but combat no there's no problem with that at all right it it says that the lord is a warrior Hmm. and yahweh is his name you Hmm. know he, he he trains my 
my hands for war, my fingers for battle. You know that there's no yeah. no problem with combat. I love combat, and I know the reason why. Just the same reason. Why does an artist love art? It's because God is an artist, and He gave that artist a part of Himself. He gave them <laughs> a an ability to create and an ability to be in touch with 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 a characteristic of God, and that's why it's so wonderful. And yeah. that's what I love about combat. God yeah. is a warrior, and he gave me that passion for a part of himself. Yeah. And for that, I love combat. And in the gym, I will never stop being a martial artist till the day I die. Right. I don't think I'm ever going to compete in front of people and audience ever again. But I'm never going to stop become, being a martial artist because it's a passion that God has given me. It's a part of him that he's instilled in me. Hmm. That's a beautiful way to say that. I think I've been struggling to put words to that for years. Mm. Similar kind of thing. Mm. I feel that way about like woodworking. Yeah, absolutely. Because he's the creator. Absolutely. He is that. Absolutely. And I think when we participate in that, we get to see just like one of the facets of who yeah. he is, right? Yeah. Wow. Yeah, absolutely. I'll have to write that down. It's a good That's one. Good. That's a good one. Yeah, you could, you could put that on a shirt or something. <laughs> wow. So yeah, I, I felt I felt no, n- nothing bad about that, but I did get a lot of flack um, from from people who didn't understand. Some people didn't yeah. understand. Yeah, and uh, they would uh, almost kind of liken it to uh, like a bar fight because mm. they didn't understand. Like, a, yeah, like yeah. what you're gonna try to talk to me about Jesus and you're gonna go beat beat this guy up, <laughs> yeah. you know, make him bleed. Yeah. It, and, and this is what I would say to people, that I understand it sounds strange. Just the same way sumo wrestling is strange to Westerners. We don't understand it. They think it's funny and, and, and yeah. it's goofy. But if you actually understand why sumo wrestlers do what they do, it's actually really fascinating. Like even the stretches that they do mm. and, 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 the, and the presentation they do and why they do it in so little clothes. They do it to show I am not concealing any weapons. I am mm. here in pure combat, and I can't use any of my clothes as my advantage. It's pure combat, and, and I'm stripping away everything that I can use as an advantage. Yeah. You know, and when you see it that way, you're like, oh, okay. And then when you say, when you when you learn, these guys are not vain looking to, to, to be bodybuilders just to, to boost up their, uh, right. their, their look. All they care about is performance and power and actually being able to move weight so that they can mm. be strong and defend themselves. Like, dude, that's actually pretty cool. I yeah. get it now. I yeah. get it. Same way with when it comes to fighting and just the same when it comes to uh, to, to massage. Uh, as a, a professional fighter, I had to get massages from people, and that made me feel very uncomfortable Yeah. because most of the time, you only most people only get touched for two reasons, when you hate somebody or when you're showing them sexual affection. Those are the yeah. times you get, you get touched. Yeah. And then... I'm a professional fighter and people are, are working on me in the chiropractic. I got to go get massage therapy or I'm not going to be able to recover right. All mm. these things. And, and, it, and, it, and it triggers my brain in a really weird way of I'm not used to this. I'm uncomfortable. But uh, eventually you're like, okay, I get it. It's, I'm, I'm okay. And, and, and the, the intentions are right. And same with blood. When people see blood or a punch, mm. they, you, you see those things and immediately – you, you you go back like a flashback of oh my gosh they're not okay they're 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 in a hurt right. you, you start panicking but a doctor doesn't freak out when he sees blood a hmm. blood doesn't mean you know harm to a doctor you right. know and a punch doesn't mean that I, that I hate you you know so it, it's almost a different way of looking at it and most people aren't used to that interesting yeah 
I guess you have to open up your mind a little bit. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> and, and like go see it. Mm-hmm. Wow. That's fascinating. I, this is like the dumbest thing ever, but I, so <laughs> similar thing with, uh, car crashes. Oh yeah. Cause yeah. you, you normally, if you, if you see a car flipped over, like mm-hmm. on the side of the road, it's a bad thing. Right. It's a horrible thing. But then you yeah. go to like a, a monster truck show. Right. And that's part of the show. They're right. supposed to do that. They exactly. get paid more when they turn the thing over. Exactly. But you get, you can get on the other end, you can almost get numb to it mm-hmm. where when you, <laughs> when you see a car flip over, you're like, Oh dang. Yeah. yeah. Like, Oh wait, wait. This is bad. Yeah, that's, that's yeah. actually bad. Are they okay? Right. Yeah. Right. Man. Yeah. There's a time and a place. Yeah. David was a man of blood. Yeah. And he was a man after God's own heart. Yeah. Wow. So then, uh, in the the wedding portion of things, how has in in the last five years, mm-hmm. right? How how has this relationship worked to refine you further? How Ooh. how has how has he used her in your man. life to change you? Wow. It's a huge question. You got yeah. 30 minutes now. Yeah, yeah. Go. <laughs> um, I, well, I, I would say it's interesting because, um, first off, me me and my wife are um, passionate about marriages. We, we are passionate about healthy marriages. Um, we, we believe that that is the number one actual service to other people on here on earth. That is the number one priority when it comes to what people need to be doing with their time. Hmm. Um even more than uh, a church ministry or outreach or um, anything, whatever. That is numero uno. It goes my personal interaction with God, mm. number one. Number two, and when it comes to actual acts of service and right. what I spend my time on on this earth, marriage is number one. Yeah. And uh, so we are super, super passionate about that. And it's just weird because in some way, like I said, like, like when I gave that interview to Rachel, dude, twins – Everything is perfection, same, 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 mm. same. And then in other ways, complete and total opposites, literal, complete and total opposites. If we, 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 uh, we, uh, we have been in uh, counseling since we started dating and we still do counseling mm. uh, to this day with our, uh, the, the guy who married us and baptized us, uh, Pastor Scott Miller, who's a great friend of ours. Yeah. And, um. You know, we take personality tests, and we are literally exact opposites. The way we respond <laughs> to things are exactly the opposites. Um, and, and it's funny because it reminds me of m- me and my older brother Justin. Uh, because in fighting, he has the complete opposite style of me. We can, if we teach, we're teaching, we're teaching the exact same techniques, <laughs> and we fight completely different. Right. We believe the same thing. We have the same foundation, and we we carry it out completely different. <laughs> same with me and my wife. Um, planner, she's a planner. I am impulsive. I just, I, 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 I flow, yeah. you know, I don't plan. Uh, to me, a plan is a, is a, is an intrusion on, on, right. on, 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 on focusing on today properly. Fence me in. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. You know, um, so I would say what's, what's been fascinating is realizing we are both right and we're both mm. right because God didn't make a mistake in making each other that way. Mm. And that has been one of the most sanctifying things for us in our walk with the Lord is I am not wrong yeah. and she's not wrong. We're both right. How does that work? You know? Um, yeah. And, 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 and even people talk about, you know, Oh, my wife complains about this or my wife complains about that, you know? And it's like, listen, would you ever, uh, so, so, so you're saying she's wrong. 
right? Yeah. Well, do you, what do you want to do? Just snap her fingers and change the way she feels? Yeah. yeah. And it's like, right. no, no, no. That's the way God made her. And, 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 and you can't change the way God made her. And he made her that way for a reason. Because you know what? Your kids are not going to be able to speak up. Your wife can. Your wife hmm. can speak up and she can tell you what she feels. And you know what? If your wife is hurt by that, your kids are going to be hurt by that too. And how many other people are going to be hurt by that that won't be able to speak? And my wife is able to speak up for people that can't. She well, What she says to me is the unspoken um, uh, correction and, 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 and hurt that everyone wishes they could say to him but they can't right and, and and if i ignore my wife and say oh you should you're wrong uh basically saying god made a mistake um I'm, I'm i'm just saying the exact same thing to everybody else and what that does is it makes me ineffective in ministry makes me mm. ineffective in, in in showing people that i love them um because i mean i mean I've, I've heard this before i don't care to know how much you know until People don't care about how much you know until they know how much you care. And also yeah. with kids, they they imitate those who show them the most love. Right. And in and, and me accepting the uncomfortable things that my wife says says and she brings mm. up, she's right. Yeah. And the things that I would never see about myself of how I'm impatient, of how I am uh, rude to, uh, to, to clerks, uh, of how I um, have a aggressive and intense tone at times. I don't even know that I do. Right. Um, how I don't plan. I need to plan a little bit more. Yeah. Um, I, I, I need to prep. And, and, and my wife is always on time for everything. And before I met her, I was late to everything. <laughs> um, and, and, and these are all things that are very frustrating, you know, when you, when you first start getting together. Now, yeah. now the... Now, God gives you a grace period, which is a honeymoon stage, right. where, where none of that matters and everything's rainbows. <laughs> right. And when that starts going away and you start getting the frustrations, yeah. those are the tools that God is using to push you along in the sanctification progress yeah. process. Those are some wise words. They're Man. spoken out of, out of a school of hard knocks. Yeah. And you see so you help other couples in, in some ways. Do you talk to people about this? You should. <laughs> we, we, we talk to who were... Who is put in front of our face to yeah. talk to? Yeah. yeah, that's awesome, man. I like it. What a, what a that's a beautiful perspective because you're not you're not in this for what you can get out of her. Exactly. Right. And I think that's a I like I, if I could pick one issue with marriages today yeah. that I I'm not married, you know, mm -hmm. but if if I could see one, it's that you know you you do this for me, I do yeah. this for you. We meet in the middle. Keep it score. As long as we're happy. Yeah. We're good. Yeah. As soon as one of us starts to falter on our our obligation here, yeah, uh, this thing ain't gonna work. Yeah, you know, and it's so easy to fall into that in marriage. It is because yeah. that's what the world says. And yeah, that's not what God says. What what God says is, hey, serve. You you serve those around you, and don't expect them to serve you back. Expect yeah. me to serve you. Right. God wants us to, to to serve us in that way. He wants to give us these things. Mike, you pour into your wife. And you know what? Don't sit here and count and wait until your wife pours yeah. back into you. Because you know what that's going to do? That's going to make you resentful and it's going to yep. make you love her less. Yep. And, and, and when I say that, I'm not saying that emotionally. It's going to make my actions love her less. And it's going to snowball in the wrong way. The yeah. only way you stop that snowball is when you say, I'm not expecting and I'm not hoping for my wife to, to, to give it the way that I'm giving it. And, 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 there, and that goes both ways. 
she mm. she often has to do that with me and it goes back and forth of i can't do this and expectation and the the technical definition is codependency i can't do this yeah. in the codependent and and codependency to control them i have to accept things i can't change and the yeah. courage to change things yeah. i can the wisdom of the difference and i have to serve god and let him repay me with my reward right right uh, the there's a bible passage i was just looking at yesterday it's in oh god i'm not good at this john 12 something like that it says those who hold on to their life will lose it of course but those who give it up will really have it of course right wow i got more questions for you just hammer away <laughs> how you man. doing you still good okay i'm good brother we're good all right this is this is my plan for the day great well mine too um so i looking at like what let's bring that bring that into like the present like what mm-hmm. would you say that god is like teaching you oh goodness now because you're newly retired yeah. <laughs> right yeah. and like what, what's he still working on well um before i answer that i yeah. have to i have to explain something um i believe in everything that the bible says and i yeah. believe in things like prophecy and laying of hands and of uh, speaking in tongues, but I have a different, I I have a different belief of what that is hmm. from the church that I grew up, and I believe in what they do, but I think that it means something different than they do. Um, prophecy, for example, yeah, that that was like an like a a, a mysterious term when I when I was uh, I was younger, and oh my gosh, that's saved for only the super super spiritual, right. and, and 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 honestly prophecy is actually just god's just going to tell you something that's going to happen yeah that's all and 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 in that term yeah. my wife is gifted with, with with prophecy of god will tell her thing that's going to happen and and and, and it's not a, a crazy thing to 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 experience it, it's not only right. reserved for the super spiritual and what does that even mean anyways you know but <laughs> but so my wife, God will tell my wife what's going to happen uh, sometimes. And, and every year, my, my, my wife will get a prophecy, or God will give my wife a word of saying, yeah. Rachel, and he doesn't give it to me. It's not for me. He gives it to her. And it's, it's just funny because if, if, if we didn't get this whole thing of she's not wrong and I'm not wrong, yeah, we're both right, this wouldn't work either. Um, huh. of, of of me accepting and knowing that when she hears God's voice, she hears God's voice, and I can't argue with that. Right, it's set in stone, and she, I know she hears God's voice because she does. She always has. Uh, but two years ago was when this thing started happening, and two years ago, God gave my wife the first word of the year, and that was love. And immediately, I'm like. I think I do that pretty good, you know, <laughs> which is totally idiotic because what I'm saying is, hey, I think this lesson that God is saying, I think I already got this lesson. I think yeah. you're wasting your time, God. Next. <laughs> you know, yeah, yeah. It's a foolish me, you know, um, learning that there's a lot more to love than I knew. Yeah. And um, this last year, the uh, 2018, was give and immediately when when god said that to my wife and my wife said that to me immediately the thing that came to my mind was okay was that mean like give more money like more tithes and like mm-hmm. serve more at church like that's pretty simple that's not that big of a deal yeah you know and i'm like okay like i i think that's cool i can do that had nothing to do with what god was saying about give god want wanted us to give him 
everything. And he wanted us mm. to trust him with everything that I am, everything in me. He wants me to trust him with what my life looks like, what my yeah. marriage looks like, what my house looks like, what my career looks like. Every, every contract that I've made mentally with God, and I had no right to make it. But I made these contracts in, in my mind saying, God, if I serve you and if I stand on a stage in front of millions of people and I honestly and, and, and fearlessly proclaim your name, then I think you're going to give me ABCD. Hmm. And, 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 and I've done things like that in every aspect of my life. God, if I lead my wife, if I serve my church and I'm honest in my business, things, you're going to do ABCD. You're going to do this. And you're going to do that. And you're going to do that. And God saying, give all of that to me. Yeah. I want you to trust me with what I'm going to do. Give me the ability to be God. Stop mm. saying that you are more qualified to run your life and to pick out the goodness in your life. Stop saying that you're more qualified than I am. Give that to me. Mm. Everything in you. And you know what, Mike? Then let me give to you in response. And, yeah. and, and so that was what this last year was about. And this year... Uh, my wife is holding up the the word right now. And Did you just draw that right now? No, okay. no yeah, she, she drew that a little earlier. And um, joy. And last year, I would say all last year was a sowing season. Hmm. It was a harvesting. It was not a harvesting. It was a planting season. It yeah. was a, it was a working season all last year of trying to get this of taking my hands off the wheel, <laughs> letting God take it, and just putting my hands down by my side and enjoying the ride and trusting mm. that he's going to drive me to somewhere good um, was all last year. That's through hard. Difficulty. That's hard. Through retirement, through, yeah. through surgery, through I almost lost my hand. Yeah. I almost had to get my hand amputated. Oh. And, 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 and I, I, after that, literally lost the ability to use my left arm and, and not knowing if it's ever going to come back. And, 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 and everything in my life is changing and it's out of control. My family doesn't look the way I thought, I thought it would. My body doesn't look the way I thought it would. Uh, my house, my finances, my other job, nothing. My car, everything doesn't look right. And, yeah. and God's saying, trust me and know that I'm good. Hey, the same way you said that about your wife, Mike, that, hey, she's not wrong. I'm not wrong. Read yeah. Job again. That's your favorite book in the Bible. And it is my favorite book in the Bible. Read it again. What's the point? Hmm. Give it to me. Give it to me. And so we gave it. We, we, and, and there's still more to give. But we gave what we could at the moment last year to God and trusted him with that. Yeah. And then God called it last year. And so cool. Um, last year, we, we didn't even know this. And, 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 and give is a hard, hard thing. It, it, it's a, it's a, yeah. it, it almost... It's sinfully and wrongfully, it can almost feel oppressive mm. when, when, when you can kind of get into the sinful mode of, uh, of feeling like you're, you are forced and you don't have a choice and that God is making you give and in 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 that you're holding on to it with everything you can. He's prying your fingers off and you're not ready. Mm. Um, and and, and it, it can be kind of jarring. Yeah. And so yeah. this year, well, I'll start off with this. Last year, God said, after you guys grasp this concept of give, this will be one of the most joyous, 
periods of your life after you you understand this mm, you let go after you let go it will be one of the most joyous periods of your life and so this year god is having a conversation with my wife mm. and he says talking to her about you know about what's going on and rachel's you know she's like god what's it going to be is it going to be this it's going to be this going to be this and he's not saying anything he's silent he's not saying a single word she's trying mm. to figure out what the word's going to be is there going to be a word is it going to be another <laughs> give and she's 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 like oh my gosh what's going on and what's it going to be and god is silent and then finally after she she stops looking for it god says and she can tell the story better than i can but basically god says rachel i care about what you want and Rachel I trust you that you're wise enough to know my will for you but at this time Rachel I trust you God is telling my wife Rachel I trust you what would you like to work on this year and she said well God I I would really like to work on joy that sounds nice that sounds that sounds a lot better than than give and love those were hard lessons so Suffer. so she yeah exactly so she so she picked joy and and this is so interesting this is so interesting and and this is again one of the problems that I have with like uh some of the, the ways that that some people think about election uh, uh, of how God doesn't almost like that God doesn't play into the um, idea of time um, because God called this last year and he said after you get this lesson of give it will be one of the most joyous right. periods of your life right and then he goes Rachel what would you like yeah and she says joy joy and he knew a year ago that on her own free will yeah. she was gonna choose joy and that he was gonna set this all up and and, and then give was a precursor to joy mm. even before he told her that. Yeah. And, 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 and it's like God plays, because he made time for us to understand, he plays along with the rule of time so we can understand him. And, and yeah, so yeah. that we're, was uh, we're catching up. We're not, yeah. Yeah, <laughs> he's not trying absolutely. to figure out what's going on, right? So, right now, it's about joy. And yeah. this is the thing about joy for God to bless us. He has to move us. He needs to change some things around us. Hmm. And that's scary. Yeah. So um, yeah. we are most likely going to be moving very soon as a, as one example yeah. of uh, many things going on. Where to? Most likely to Turlock. Okay. A couple hours, right? No, 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 no just about 30 minutes. Where am, where am I? I'm in Modesto. Oh, that's right. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> Thought you're still at home. <laughs> yeah. So so God is already showing us, and, and, and not only that, even with holidays. Uh, mm. la, uh, last year, uh, the, the holidays had just passed. Um, by the end of it, we noticed that by the end of it, me and my wife sat down and we're like, okay, what are our priorities? Our priorities are God first, each other second. And at the end of all the holidays, we didn't really focus on or spend much time with God hmm. and we didn't really spend much time bonding with each other on these holidays. Right. We were so busy and like, you know what? We need to make some changes and um, it changes. God's basically this year. He's saying, Hey, I'm going to change everything around you. And because you understand this, this, this whole thing of give yeah, and you, you're, you're going to you're going to float and you're going to let me take you to a place where I can give you more joy. And as long as you are, trust me with that, yeah. it will be joyous. Yeah. So that's what's going on right now. Cool. Yeah. Interesting how even 
even in the the process of becoming joyful, it still involves this uncomfort. Yeah, right? and then this trusting hands off thing. Like of you, course, you can't you can't. You, now that you got your hands off, you can't put them back on. Yeah. It's okay. Now I'm going to be in charge of my joy. Yeah. <laughs> Here we then go. It, then it goes back to give. Right. Yeah. Then we got to just that start again. over. Yeah. yeah. Of course. Rewind. Forget it. You didn't get it. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Joy. Yeah. Um. So there's podcasting is becoming hugely popular mm-hmm. with the younger, like teens shocking like the the numbers and and i think one of the reasons why is because they want something authentic Mm. it's real it's not produced yeah um so i know that that a lot of the people that listen to this are going to be in their teens Mm. right and they're going to be that uh 14 year old you know pursuing whatever you know how it is these days I, i know a lot of high schoolers and they're taking ap this and yeah whatever college prep this and they're doing a sport and they're in a club mm-hmm. and they're all, all these also they can get to college yeah and then graduate college and then get yeah. the job and like there's um i mean if you could go back and and just talk to the 14 year old were you were you mayday yet back then your your, your nickname i did get that nickname at 14 years old okay so you're talking listen little mayday yeah yeah <laughs> Grown-up Mayday is going to talk to you for a minute. Yeah. What, what do you say to that kid? First thing I'd say is read Job. <laughs> this is the very first thing I'd say. and uh, That's my favorite book of the Bible for a reason. Hmm. Uh, first thing I'd say is read Job. Um, second thing I'd say is almost every major sin and bit of damage that you did to yourself and the people around you almost every bit of it was because of one of two things if not both you had a lack of patience and or a lack of faith you didn't believe that god could give you value you didn't believe that he had the right woman for you Hmm. you didn't believe that you had any worth and you didn't believe that his sacrifice on the cross was actually enough to purify you you actually you thought that you would never be good enough Hmm. it's all every problem you've done is because of either or both a lack of patience and of faith Hmm. i would say pour yourself into understanding patience and faith That's good. Listen up, young people. <laughs> um, I, I got one more question, and and I, I love kind of ending on this note. Um, well, I don't gonna... know. I don't know if you want to hold this off. Okay. I have. I there is something that I have to say. Okay, please. Which is the answer to me growing up thinking I was never enough. Yeah. There was a moment. That happened in my life, which is the closest thing that I can get to you to your earlier question of, is there a moment when you knew you were saved? Mm. This is the closest I can get. And the this answer is when I met God face to face as he is, not as people said he was, Mm. not as the people who I grew up 
hearing about him said he was, but when I saw God for the first time, and that was the first time where I knew that I was enough for him. Hmm. And uh, Pastor Scott Miller, great friend, one of my greatest mentors, he's the lead Celebrate Recovery Pastor at Big Valley Church, which is our home home church. He did a, a sermon one day, which made me so mad. <laughs> it made me so mad. The good ones do. <laughs> yeah. He did a sermon, and he believes in radical grace, <clears throat> absolute radical grace, that there is nothing we can do to disqualify ourselves from the cross the, from from the from the wonderful work that Jesus did on the cross, yeah. cross, and and and, and even saying that it, it makes me think about people would freak out hearing this, but Jeffrey Dahmer, who was one of the most sickest guys, yeah. murdering, yeah. rapist guys in the world, and I heard him say something while he was in um, in prison uh, on be ready to, to die right before he died, and these interviewers said. You think after everything that you've done that you're actually going to go to heaven. And he he talked to a priest and he became a believer but right before he died. Yeah. And he said, the perfect cross, the perfect sacrifice that Jesus did on the cross is powerful enough to blot out even my sins. <laughs> and the day that I came face to face with this, when... Scott was talking about grace, and he said something that made me so mad. He said, you're not hurting anybody but yourself and those around you when you hold this sin. He said, you're not hurting God. He already paid the price. He already hurt the hurt. It says in the word that he does not see it, that he's washed it away and made you as clean as wool. He's thrown it away as far as the east is from the west. Hmm. And do you know how far that is? It doesn't exist. You might say that you think God sees your sin. He doesn't. So let me tell you something. If you want to know Jesus and you want to go and do meth for the rest of your life, you know what? I feel sorry for you and you shouldn't, but that's not going to change the way God sees you. You're still going to make it into heaven. And you know what's going to happen? You're going to live a miserable life down here, and you're still going to make it into heaven, and God's mm. going to see you and say, Son, you didn't have to live that way. Yeah. You could have gave that all to me. I still love you just the same. You didn't have to run from me like that. <laughs> and, 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 and when he said that, that someone could continuously sin for the rest of their life and still make it into heaven, that made me so mad. <laughs> and I decided to schedule a meeting with him and tell yeah. him how wrong he was. <laughs> And when I sat down with him, I started to talk. He says, Mike, have you read the Bible for yourself? I said, well, a few. You ever read Romans? I'm like, no. Hmm. And he opened up the word for me. And he started showing me what the Bible says about what God sees Hmm. me as and he started showing me what god himself says about my sin for those who call jesus friend who call god father and he says mike it is literally gone it is paid for like what do you what do you think the cross was for do you think it was to save some sheep (laughs) that's not what the cross is for this was this is a radical thing this is this is 
world-changing. And yeah, it's radical and offensive. And you know what? This is what's going to happen, Mike. If you, for the rest of your life, understanding God's grace, decide that you want to watch porn for the rest of your life, this is what's going to happen. You're going to say, you're going to see how porn makes you miserable hmm. makes you happy for five five minutes and then miserable for five weeks hmm. but god makes you happy and joyous all the time porn bad god good but when it's the other way around when you see it as oh i sin is actually fun but then god condemns me and then he's convicting me and then he's making me feel yeah. bad this is what happens mentally is now it's porn good makes hmm. me happy right god bad God yeah. makes me sad because yeah. he's condemning me and tell me how bad I am. But that's not the case. He already paid for it, Mike. That's the, that's, the, that's the effects that sin has on your body. Sin will make you happy for a minute and then it'll ruin your life. And that's not from God. He says, God says that there's no condemnation, no condemnation now for those found in Christ Jesus. Yeah. And he, he, he said to me, he said, he said that he came here for the sick. If you're not sick anymore, if you're not a sinner anymore, he didn't come here for you. Mm. So you know what? You better be in full recognition that you're a sinner for the, till the day you die. Because yeah. the day that you'd say that I'm not a sinner anymore, that I, 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 I'm, I'm going to be to heaven by your own works, that's the day that Jesus didn't come for you. Mm. And I went home that day for the first time in my life, realizing that all the pain and shame that I felt my whole life growing up, that that wasn't from God. Right. That was actually from Satan. Right. That was actually false god does not think of me the way that they said i they think about me mm. i went home and i was staring off into space and <laughs> my mom comes over and says hey where'd you go i said hey mom i'm a sinner and she goes okay <laughs> where where were you i said no mom you don't understand I'm a sinner and it's okay. And I started to cry mm. and I said, I'm a sinner and I'm enough. God mm. loves me as a sinner. I'm enough as a sinner. I don't have to change for right. him to love me. I'm okay. I'm enough. And she goes, where, where were you? What are you talking about? <laughs> Who are you? <laughs> but that was the day that, I was introduced to radical grace. Yeah. And, 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 and it's a paradoxical effect that when we are, there's no condemnation for us, our life actually starts to change. Right. And I actually start to sin less when yeah. knowing that it's all paid for. It's a total paradox. It doesn't make any sense to me. But that day is the day that I actually began sinning less. Hmm. And my life started to change even in the way it looked. And it yeah. had nothing to do with me willing myself to be better like I used to right. do for fighting. Right. It was all something that was I was incapable of doing. I had to have someone wake me up. I had to have someone raise me up. I was dead. There's nothing a dead man can do to make himself less dead. I was dead. Yeah. I was condemned. I was yeah. in jail. There's nothing I can do. I needed a Savior. And that was the day that I got to meet the Savior face to face. That's gorgeous. <laughs> man. I think it, it's such a freeing way to go about living when you finally realize that. Yeah. Like, I'm not, I don't have to impress God. Mm -hmm. You know, I don't have to reach this minimum 
level of holiness mm-hmm. before I can access his love for me. Right. You know, it's, it's already there. It's yeah. done. It's already paid. 2,000 years ago. It's yeah. finished. Yeah. That doesn't mean it's finished, but I still got to do all this. Yeah. It's finished. It's done. Mm-hmm. Well, that that was my last question, so you read my mind. Success. <laughs> um, you're an intense guy. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. This is good. This is good. Um, my wife has helped me to be a little less intense. No, you, I, I you, think it's a it's a gift. Yeah. I think because just the way the way you're talking, you know, I admire your faith so far. I mean, you're what is it, twenty seven? So that's you're like maybe a third of the way there, assuming you make I yeah, don't know how yeah. far to the to the national average. Yeah, I think just the the experience you've had so far, just what I've heard today, I I think that the the greatest things are only ahead of you. Um, I mean that that kind of wisdom has been gathered so far but he's still teaching you mm-hmm. so I, I you know uh, i'm very hopeful for you thank you yeah i'll be i'll be praying for your joy this year thank you <laughs> i can't wait to check in with you and hear like so how did it go like, yeah. <laughs> tell me about the joy yeah what's the word for next year it's gonna be great uh, for um, some reason never seems to tell us until that year comes funny how that <laughs> works huh <laughs> I'm in the uh I'm in last year for you. Mm. This is a year of like surrender. Mm. Yeah. Yeah. Die to yourself. Yeah. See what he's got. It's awkward, but it's beautiful. Yeah. yeah. Um Mike, thank you so much for having me in your home. Absolutely. This thank is you. Great. Bless thank you. you. I'm gonna do a fist bump across the table. Here we go. <laughs> Ow. <laughs> <laughs> Thanks, man. Well, there we go. Another interview in the bag. Uh, what an awesome guy. I told you, he's just intense, right? I love it. There's a there's a certain energy that some people have where you're talking to him and you just get pumped. You just want to go like conquer something. Uh, I feel like, man, me and Mike together, we could take over the world. <laughs> but I guess we'll settle for a little piece of it in Modesto. Uh, thank you so much for listening. I hope you enjoyed the show. Uh, other episodes available on uh, Apple Podcasts and Stitcher, or you can go straight to the uh, website that hosts the show. It's called Podbean. Dot com. Uh, great stories dot podbean dot com. There's that one. Uh, please give the episodes a thumbs up on the Apple or five star rating. And what that does is helps it comes up quicker as people are hunting for podcasts. I want these. Uh, I just really want these stories to get out. Share the episodes. And of course, if you want to be on the show, please come on the show. Shoot me an email at the great stories podcast at gmail.com. And I will see you next time. Okay, so welcome to the bonus features portion of the show. You just happened to leave your podcast player on, wondering what this last chunk is all about. Well, you found it. It's like an Easter egg in radio. A lot of shows do this, where at the end you just come on and talk about whatever's on your mind. And uh, today, 
just after after talking to Mike and uh, just thinking through some things, there's a, a song that came to mind, and I'm I'm not gonna sing it for you. Please don't 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 get any big ideas. It's not that kind of show. <laughs> so, but uh, it's it's a song that it's so old, but I just find it to be just incredibly rich theologically. And my conversation with Mike just brought this up to me. Uh, it's called Turn Your Eyes Upon Jesus. If, if, if you've ever been to a, an older church, not uh, like older people, but older like chronologically, um, you might have heard this song. Um, I'm, I'm just going to actually read it to you like poetry. But just the words in here are so deep and theologically rich. Um, well, uh, let me just read it. Okay. Um, it says, Turn your eyes upon Jesus. Look full in his wonderful face. And the things of earth will grow strangely dim in the light of his glory and grace. O soul, are you weary and troubled? No light in the darkness to see. There's a light for a look at the Savior and a life more abundant and free. His word shall not fail you, he promised. Believe him and all will be. Then go to the world that is dying, his perfect salvation to tell. Turn your eyes upon Jesus, look full on his wonderful face, and the things of earth will grow strangely dim in the light of his glory and grace. And it goes on from there. But uh, I just think that's such, that's such a beautiful thing because we think of so much of the Christian life a lot of times, and this is what Mike was talking about, that it's it's held up in front of us like a, like some kind of standard. Like you have to... You have to measure up. You got to do this. You got to do that. And we almost try to like scare ourselves into being holy. You know, go. I want. I want God to like me more, so I'm going to act more like Him. But that's not. That's not what the real gospel tells tells us. That it's actually upside down. That the, the real gospel flips all that on its head. You see, because and the things of earth will grow strangely dim in the light of His glory and grace. The things of earth grow strangely dim in the light of his glory and grace. See, all the things that we focus on so much that we put our energy and our time and our, our just mental strain on, they seem so bright to us. You know, they take up our time, our energy. It just it dominates our world. But really, in, in true perspective, in the light of his glory and grace, these things will grow strangely dim. Strangely dim. It's such a such a just a clever word to use for that because it's odd you would think like how how does this work but really it's it's a change in perspective it's a change in us because God's always the same his glory is the same it's just once we see the amazing glory of God it's so bright that the things we used to think were so bright actually look kind of dim oh soul are you weary and troubled no light in the darkness to see so there's a light for a look at a savior and a life more abundant and free. And it's when we truly die to ourselves and submit to this Savior that we're actually receiving a more abundant and free life. So cool. So cool. Well, hey, thanks for sticking around for the last part. I'll catch you in a couple weeks. <laughs>